What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, I need to go grab a Big Mac because I haven't had lunch. Give me a second. Like you're literally gonna go? No, it, it's in my kitchen. No, oh, I okay. need to grab it real quick. Sorry, <laughs> I'll be right back. That's bad. Let's put that. Uh, let's just put this out of sight. Dogs just ate all their McDonald's. This is eyewitnessing exclusive shit, y'all. They don't know I'm recording and I think they're dogs. Doing good, man. Doing really good. Awesome to hear. Been, uh... Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. everybody welcome to the bitcoin podcast number 40 i am your first host marcello and i'm host number two d and i and guess number three i'm sorry i already introduced myself yeah <laughs> i'm guest host three and this is also my third appearance i believe on the show tony sackett so thanks for having me back again tony yeah you've Swish. been promoted to regular yeah <laughs> I'm happy about it i like the tweet that you sent out earlier this week cello like we might as well put tony on the payroll the payroll of no pay, but he's on it. <laughs> I mean, I work, I work in Bitcoin, so you know, you eventually, for some things, you get used to no pay, but um, and then in others, and then in others, you get handsomely rewarded. But you know, I, I, I we were talking off air for a second there. Uh, I love doing the show, and you know, it's 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 so cool just to talk to people. And the fact that usually when we're when I'm on, we talk for ten or fifteen minutes before even we start recording, just about random things like Saturday Night Slam Masters, and uh, <laughs> you know whatever else is in the news or Kanye's crazy tweets. So when oh, when, yeah. when there's cool cats, you you can talk to them all day. It's 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 fun. It's not there's nothing about work that this is. This is just fun times. So thanks By for the way, uh, Did you vote on my poll because? I'm really trying to get a push here to be called Bitcoin Yeezus. I didn't. Okay. I didn't see it, actually. Right. You're losing that poll, by the I'm way. I'm losing that poll. Nobody wants that. But what was the poll? Go into a little more detail. I just asked the internet if I could be called Bitcoin Yeezus because okay. Roger Ver is Bitcoin Jesus. I, I was see. Like, 
I was like, maybe I could be called Bitcoin Yeezus, and it fits because I'm black. Yeah. So, did you get did you get Rajiver's blessing? Uh, I did not, and we but, will in a couple hours. <laughs> hey, I got to pay the bills, guys. We got to do some ads. Sorry. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, if you're a follower of this podcast, uh, you're expected to hear every tenth episode. Dimitri, can you hit us with a little little R and B sample? Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Nice. But you're not hearing that because uh, we want to bring you a lot of important information. Uh, so we'll probably what delay that a couple episodes, our, our daily drunk episodes. Uh, so this episode is brought to you by uh, escrowmybits.com. Uh, it's fast. It's super easy. And it only takes three steps. Just register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item. Buyer checks the goods and releases the funds, and they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. And they currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain pegged to a fiat value using NewBits. And if you're unfamiliar with NewBits, they are the world's first stable digital currency, and they change us. They charge a small flat escrow fee of one percent on all transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems around with the type of escrow services currently around. And their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. We use it. We love it. Escrow your shit with Escrow My Bits. Go to their website. Sign up for their newsletter. They're awesome people. And we love it. And we're also brought to you by uh, Bit for Tip. And Bit for Tip is a website where you can tip and earn Bitcoins by finding a better price deal or by giving the right tip to someone. So, hey, you know. Tony, if I ask you, where can I find this antique French kitchen for less than 1,800 euros? And you tell me, you know, I tip you. And then, you know, D, where do I buy a, a Samsung S2 cheap online? Tipped. Boom. You get bits. You get tipped. Bitfortip.com. Check that shit out. You know, what's really funny about Bitfortip.com is I was sitting, like, on my couch and I was thinking, what could be the dumbest idea that could take off in this day and age? And well, sorry, bit for tip. You don't have a dumb idea. That's not what I'm saying. Those are just my inner thoughts. I was, gonna say. <laughs> no, I was just thinking. Sorry, that was a horrible word. But I was saying, what if you just like paid people to Google stuff for you? I'm pretty sure there's people out there that don't like Googling things, and you could just run a bounty for people that are really good at Googling things and finding good stuff and good deals. And then I was like, man, I got to build that. I'm pretty sure that could be good. And then I was like, wait, we're sponsored by that. That's what Bit for Tips does. Like you could tip people to find good deals and find information and stuff for you on the internet. So go Which check it out. Way, it does way more too, let's be fair. And when it comes to bad ideas getting paid, uh, when I was, I was recently on the East Coast doing some traveling uh, for blockchain stuff actually. And the, the, one of the guys I was traveling with, Troy, who, by the way, awesome guy, Troy Kent, shout out to you. Uh, we were talking and he was telling me about this, this, uh, project that got funded. It got, I think something like $2.2 million. Essentially it was FaceTime so you can entertain your pets from far away. And I'm like, that got $2.2 million. And I'm like, let's just use FaceTime. But there are so <laughs> many bad ideas that get funding. And it, which, it makes me wonder who, there are people that probably just have, you know, so much in, so much crazy money, you know, the Howard Hughes type money where they just throw it at projects that make them giggle. And, uh, you know, it, which is kind of sad because there's so many good projects that deserve funding. And, you know, especially in this space, right? There's so yeah. many cool projects that need to deserve funding. But it's a little off tangent. But I just wanted to say that, believe yeah. me, there are insane ideas out there. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry from D to bitfortips.com. Not a dumb idea. 
I was those are just my inner thoughts. But yeah, go to bitfortips.com. Anyways, moving on. Cello. What do we got on the docket today? What are we talking about today? Well, I think you came out of the blue. You're like, hey man, I got this guy. He wants to be interviewed. And I'm like, who is it? What's his company? And I couldn't find any information on him. And he was making some bold claims. Uh, he is our guest on the show, our interview guest on the show today. And, um, I just, I want to talk about it. Um, cause you, you handled this solo and he was making some pretty, some pretty like bold claims. And, you know, today already found it is the core of like a bona fide industry, a supply chain, you know, that, that compromises a peer to peer network of specialists spanning the most strategically important software market vertical in like the entire software industry and the market vertical that allows the construction of new market verticals. And this market vertical has also successfully designed its first fully operational market vertical. It has designed itself. That's what he's claiming. And interesting enough, we talked to Jesse Baker in episode 31 um, about supply chains. And then we talked to Ryan X. Charles about coding. And he's kind of like merging these two together. Yeah. it. Um, one, it was a great interview. It was really eye-opening. And it's it's... It touches on some deep stuff when he he talks about the industrialization of the software industry. And it's funny because he also says the software industry doesn't exist. And he was like, you know, if I could put you in the shoes of a programmer, you get a new project, you've got to learn a new language, you make a bunch of mistakes, you build a bunch of bugs. And he's like, and then you rinse and repeat the process for every new project. Um, but what he's what he's proposing to do is industrializing, creating a software industry which is phenomenal to think of because industries, one, just generate hella revenue. I mean, it's a damn industry. And so if he can make a software industry, uh, I think he likened it to kind of like a, he's Henry Fording software. You could come up with a project and then just put it onto their platform, uh, Code Valley, and then whatever software developer specializes in whatever layer of a, of a specific set of software, they'd work on that. And then you just get a finished product that's built from people that specialize in their specific skill sets of, uh, making a program. So let's hope he's, he's a, he's a better human being than Henry Ford, which it sounds like he is. So, uh, (laughs) comparison as a Detroiter, I'm like, there's like a hidden history of Henry Ford where he's kind of celebrated and loved. And, and, you know, to be fair, he did do some awesome, innovative things, but, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, I, I, don't get me on my Henry Ford tangent, but I, as someone who didn't get to listen to the interview, I'm very excited to actually go back and listen to it. It sounds very interesting, and it sounds something, it sounds like he, I, I like big ideas, and uh, big oh, ideas, it's... even if, the, you know, they're not necessarily uh, accepted at the time, if, if they're good and they're legitimate, they end up working anyway, so. Yeah, everything, is, all the uh, programmers are paid solely in Bitcoin, and I mean, the headline, they he told me he released it specifically. I was on Coindesk reading, and the headline is Closing the Loop, Bringing a Trillion Dollar Industry to Bitcoin. I read me, that. I read that. Yeah, And me cool. being a guy who has a position in Bitcoin, I was like, well, I like that. Let me go ahead and take a read. And I was like, wow, these are some, these are some ideas. These are it's game changing, though, because t- like today's method for producing software, instead of a team of software developers writing millions of lines of code, a developer now tells the supply chain what the software should do. And then some short time later, a software program exactly satisfying those requirements is returned. And, and, it's, it, and yeah, and it's built by everyone who specializes in what they do. 
Yeah, the, the supply chain is not replacing software developers. I want to make that clear. The supply chain is software developers, and every single vendor in that chain is built, owned, and managed by a software developer. That's, I mean, it's game-changing. And every step of the way, everybody's getting paid in Bitcoin. So it, it is a... Uh, Wait, here's the question. Why doesn't anyone know about him? Um, There could be many reasons. I don't know. Let's Maybe talk about the reasons. Well, can I start? I mean, I, I don't know about him, so I'll tell you that. Is uh, I've, I've noticed that in a lot of cases, and this is something directly relevant to me, I might even mention this when you had me on for the first chat, is a lot of times uh, someone has a project and they're an amazing, have an amazing idea and they even know somewhat how to sell it, but they don't necessarily have the, the, the I don't know, I want to say mine, but they don't have the, the right perspective in order to how, of how to get it in front of people, right? They don't know what channels to go through, they don't know who to speak with, uh, why they should speak with them, what their messaging should be. There's, there is, marketing is both uh, undervalued and overvalued. It's, it's overvalued usually by marketers. They think that they're, what, they're do, what they can do is irreplaceable, which is just bullshit. But there is something to someone who knows an industry or a, a sector of an industry and knows how to communicate to the relevant people in that space and using that to get your project out there. And oftentimes, Especially in tech, I notice there's one, there's maybe one or two people working on a project. Neither one have the mind for that, so they they go about it in a very in in a very uh, incorrect way. You know, or I just say inefficient way is a better way to work, look at it. And I, I can't speak on behalf of him because I don't know him. All, all I do know is there is something to getting seen, and it's it's something. It's actually a big problem I think for a lot of developers because they end up you know hiring their cousin or something and to do some their marketing and then oh, I'll start a Twitter and that'll be it. No, it's more than that. And, and, and there, there's many, it's a multifaceted thing that happens because look how many people were into Bitcoin when it launched, right? Mind you, I don't think Satoshi was really looking for thousands of people at the time. You know, he wanted it to scale efficiently and properly, but uh, not every project starts out with a bang and, and some folks don't even know how to ever get that bang. And it, it has a lot to do with the perspective of you know, if you're in love with this and you're building it and it's on your mind 24 seven, you're like, why isn't everyone else figuring out how great this is? And it's like, well, <laughs> that's, because, that's because it's up to you to hone up to find. Okay, these are the top five reasons this is great and communicate them properly. That that's a big chunk of this. I can't say it's that that's the same thing in this case, but in many cases that that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but he's been around for a while working in what he does since the mid 80s, as far as I could go back. And he said even before that, hmm. you know. He's been working in software, and Code Valley isn't old either, Cello, right? Code Valley has been around since... Uh, 2000. 2000. So they've been around for a while, and he said that as soon as Bitcoin was introduced, it kind of was the secret ingredient he had been looking for, for this idea of creating a software industry. And it just merged, mm -hmm. and boom, now it is what it is. And he says it's just easier. If you want to create a software industry now, you've got 150 di different currencies. That means 150 different governments, 150 times in number of committees and organizations that are dealing with the monetary policies. But with Bitcoin, it's just Bitcoin. And if somebody in India specializes in something, uh, but somebody in Sweden needs something built, they could still get paid and they could still transact. And he was like, it's perfect. It's just, it just fits. So, yeah. Did you know that this dude has like a dozen patents on his own inventions? <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, I wish we uh, had more time to dig deep 
Like, I didn't expect to get such a quick response, and he didn't expect to give such a quick response to us. So, yeah, I'm just like, the dude is amazing, yet no one knows about him. So, I'm hoping that people listen to this and they take note. And I guarantee you, when we revisit this episode, I think, well, I think people are going to Google him once, like, his work comes to the surface. And, you know, we're going to have the first interview with him. I love it uh, when the big companies come out of, like, shadow mode. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, the all, every time it happens in my head, I hear the Inception boss. So, like, when I was when I was interviewing Wah. him, he was talking about, hey, you guys are the first. Took me a minute. Huh? It took me a minute to get the reference. Wah. Wah. Like, and then uh, he... He told me, he's like, you guys were the first to hop on this. Like, I must have been right on Coindesk as that press release hit. Because he's like, yeah, you guys are the first. So, congratulations. Hey, I want to, if you don't mind, if if we have a second, I'd like to go a little bit more into detail what you just said. Because I think that's an issue that's facing a lot of companies in the blockchain space is, is, you know, getting that, getting to that next level of attention. Right. And I don't necessarily mean mainstream attention. I mean, just within the space. Um, Cause you know, you know, any idea how many projects I see that have so much potential, but will probably never get noticed by anyone. And, and when, when, when I did my show, we had a few projects on there, like outer net, which really wasn't blockchain related. I thought that project was great and it got a little bit of attention, but it kind of fluttered and, and I hope they're doing well, but it's tough. It's really hard in an era where there's constant noise, uh, just everything. Everyone's trying to sell you something. Everyone's trying to get your attention to buy their product. It's so hard to create one, just a first noise, and then it's even harder to maintain that. I can't, I, I can't, I just even for me, where this is my field, this is my area of expertise, that it's a challenge. It is ridiculously challenging. So, I mean, th- that's one of the reasons I have started actually, and I haven't done a ton, but doing uh, speaking engagements, especially toward developers, because I want developers to have a little bit of a background of knowing, okay, what works, what doesn't, let's say, because most of them don't have a budget for marketing, so what can you do for free, what, you know, I want to share, like, what worked for Augur, what didn't work for Augur, what worked for BitPay, what didn't work for BitPay, and what frustrates me personally, and this is maybe a call to arms, but, well, not literally, but um, this, what frustrates me is that there aren't more people that are trying to be helpful here. Instead of more people saying, hey, I want to help these other projects get attention, it's all just like, oh, I want to sell them my shitty marketing services. Do you have any idea how much my email, in, email box is full of people? You know, we have an exciting outbound internet, blah, 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 buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. And it, <laughs> it's, never like, it's never like, hey, I have a little project. Um, do you have five minutes for some advice? You know what? I would go out of my way to help that person. And I've done that. And, and, and now I'm probably going to get inundated with people that, and, and it's fine as long as you know, you, you understand that, like, I can't devote a ton of attention to everything, but, I want to help projects out there, and I want other people that have had success in marketing be more open-minded to helping someone out for free. You don't don't take their money. Don't always look at everyone for everyone as a giant cash register, right? This is a plea because you know what happens when you don't look for everyone as a cash register? You build relationships. People like you more, and in the end, you will succeed in business because you're not just trying to take advantage of people. So that, that's kind of a half rant, but it's also saying. I mean, mind you, I'm not saying donate all your time on a volunteer basis to a project. That's ridiculous. But if someone's asking for advice, don't be like, oh, here's my consultancy rate. If it's something you can answer in five minutes, don't be a douchebag. Help them out. (laughs) If it's one developer that you know doesn't have money, work with the guy. You know, it it frustrates the hell out of me because, you know, it's one thing to spend hours and hours on it. But if someone's asking for 10 minutes of your time and you don't have that to help a project. Now, if it's a project you don't believe in and you think it's a scam, different story. But if it's a project that you think has some legs, why aren't you trying to help them? Like, it's only going to help you in the long term. 
And I guess, uh, you know, I would implore anyone, if you want to listen, I have t- at least one talk up on YouTube. It's obviously free where I kind of talk about mar- my marketing experiences with Augur and BitPay. And I want to do more of those in detail because I want to share that knowledge, right? It's not something I should you're keep locked get, up. You're about to get the Bitcoin podcast effect, man. Your inbox is about to be flooded. <laughs> well, that's good and fast, right? <laughs> like, there's already too much for me to do. There's projects that I want to help out more with that I can't. And it's an awkward thing where like, I can't do anymore. And it's not, it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with time and, and a little bit to do with money. I'm not going to lie. Like it's once there is a limit where like, okay, I can't do this for free anymore. And, and everyone should have that limit, but they should also realize, does this person, does this one guy in his basement trying to create his dream? Why would you want to take advantage of that? Like what that, that just makes you a bad person. And it makes, yeah. makes, makes people someone I don't, would never want to do business with. Personally. What if we have a new segment on the show? Like Tony switches five minute consult. <laughs> that would be cool, but it would I, I would love it actually. But what I what I don't I, I actually like the little longer form appearances too. It's just that like I love that first interview we did. Seven I got minute, talk, uh, seven about, minute consult. Yeah, no, I, I like that first interview because I got to talk a lot about, about marketing, not just my background, but you know, kind of what worked, what didn't, and it's just it's like it's the same attitude of you know, there's all this knowledge. Why would you want to keep it locked up behind paywalls or locked up behind? you know, uh, journals that you have to, you know, go to a certain economic institution for, you know, I, I love my, one of my favorite people to talk to is Robin Hanson. Cause he, he'll pretty much just talk to you. You know, he's not asking for money. Who's he's Robin, not, Hansen? He, Robin Hansen is, uh, kind of the, what I always call him is the godfather of prediction markets, right? He came, he worked for NASA and DARPA on a government prediction market more in that field in the futurology game than anything else. But He's great. And I always say I love sitting under the learning tree. I, I try not to bug him for, you know, hours or anything, but I like to ask for advice and I like to listen. I don't always take it, but I always, you know, there's, it's, it doesn't hurt to ask and from someone that has experience in the field. And it's, I don't know. This is actually something that bothers me quite a bit, if you can't tell, but I just want to implore anyone out there. If someone's asking for your advice and it's not going to take you more than five minutes and they're legitimately asking for it, don't be a dick and try to make money off of it. Please don't. Like that's that's everything wrong with the world, in my opinion. Um, and there's plenty <laughs> of people that have that same opinion. And you know, I would much rather actually go come on a show like here and talk about marketing for an hour because then I can reach a, a much wider audience, and you know, I don't have to spend hours on different conversations. I say let's do that because I'm in marketing as well, full time, and we need the name of your episode. I think was the marketing blueprint. We'll just do the marketing blueprint part two and get you back on the <laughs> like show. JC Records, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think it'd be a good episode, man. It, I think it'd be solid. Uh, in this, this industry, I know you guys that are marketers, you and uh, Cello, you and Tony. I mean, you got that. I mean, you're like hitting fertile ground with an industry that needs good marketers. So, well, well Squarespace is like trying to put me out of business. They can go, they can go to hell. Everybody else is cool. <laughs> well, it's sort of in a fertile ground because here's here's the other thing, and 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 this is the other, this is the part where I'll probably sound like a greedy prick, but I'm sorry, but for my services on a full time basis, I, I I have to charge, like I have to pay the bills. You know, I'm not. I always like to reiterate, I'm not someone who got rich on this Bitcoin thing. I'm. I'm very much living a, a very humble life. Like I, I'm, I'm in a month, my lease runs out. I'm not going to have a car, like little things. I'm not complaining and I'm not asking for money. I'm just kind of stating where I'm at in the world because I really don't need a car right now either. So I'm not like rushing to buy one. But what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say though there is people do need to get money for their expertise and what they're doing. And, and I have a sweet side gig working with this, uh, giving blockchain consulting advice, but also it's, it's about that, you know, which end do you want to be in? And, 
a lot of companies, even the well-funded ones, marketing is the last thing they want to spend on. Some rightfully so. Uh, there, there were companies that got funded that spent way too much on marketing, and and that's a big problem. But usually, what happens is they spend more on uh, invest, uh, more on like sponsorships, conferences than people. And if you're going to invest in anything, people are almost always your best investment, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to invest, I would much rather. There were conferences that that actually cost as much to participate in as a year's salary for someone. And to me, that trade-off is ridiculous. Like, if you could have one person working for you for a year versus that, come on. And and also, another thing that, that just sets a fire under my ass I hate is uh, unpaid internships. They, I mean, I, I know we can curse completely <laughs> if they want. People that believe in unpaid internships can fuck off. And, and I mean that so hard because when I was graduating college, that's all that was out there. And I'm, I always promise myself I will not take an unpaid internship. And it's yeah, not else? not being paid. I'll volunteer. I'll help out a company for free. That's not the point. The point is respecting, not only respecting your employees, but respecting yourself and saying, if I'm working for this organization, they should pay me something, right? Mm-hmm. It, something. It, you don't have to make me rich. Just just make sure <laughs> that I'm doing good work. So I, I would say that if, if it's one of those things where all your marketing is unpaid interns, you're, you're getting what you pay for most likely. Because I'm, I would never bust my ass for an unpaid internship. So I'm, I'm, I'm off my soapbox now. But yeah, yeah, when I first started out, a lot of uh, job interviews I went to, they would, they would instead of looking at my resume and my portfolio, they would be, you know, can you create a website for us? You know, we'll be back in two hours. Let's see how you did. That's and I'm point. like, I'm not, I'm not doing work for you for free. Like, it's just okay. absurd. I realized you meant like that. I thought you meant like, can you make a website like just a generic like nothing, not necessarily for them. But you're right. I get what you're saying now. Then yeah, like I'm not going to work for free to demo for you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's hard. <laughs> well, do we have anything on the docket before we get the interview going? No, let's get into it because there's a. Uh, it's funny. It's like he started this in 2000, and I go to the about page, and there's someone. There's a woman there with with her last same last name as Noel, and I'm That's like, his man, did, yeah. So he like recruited his daughter, and she like got groomed, and now she's like part of the company, which is really cool. And now he has a small development team from australia and they're they're poised to bring like i said a potential trillion dollar industry to bitcoin this is super huge and this development team is led by our guest noel who's coming on in just a couple seconds and he kind of you know he tells us about an entirely new software development technology that utilizes a peer-to-peer network of vendors who like dimitri said transact exclusively using bitcoin and Thanks, well, to wanna, you for grabbing this guy, man. This is crazy. I, I want to reiterate, he's not bringing an industry to Bitcoin. He is creating an industry industry that's fueled by Bitcoin because it has to be in order to exist the way that it does. And the way, and he said, he even said in the interview, his conservative estimate is that it would be a trillion dollar industry by the time it's said and done. So let's he, invest in this company. Let's, yeah. let's become friends with him. <laughs> How do I get in this? Get me on the email list. Anyways. Here it is. Scoop. (laughs) And you've got some pretty kick-ass people on your show too. So I've been uh, looking at some of your other podcasts and uh, you guys are movers and shakers. Yeah, we, we try to... We try and get the the big dogs in the in the business. We <laughs> we swing for the fences. That's what we say. Every time we're about to try and get interviews, we just try and get the you know the biggest names in the business. There's a few that we're still looking at, Andreas, of course, and, and Gavin, and some of the core devs. But other than that, oh, just, we. Sorry, I was just speaking to Andreas a, 
a couple of hours ago. Um, and I'm an unknown at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's a big, uh, I guess I'm a, uh, not big yet. You're going to gonna help us out. Oh, we're trying to get you there. We, we actually, we're on that tipping point where we're starting to get a lot more listeners. And um, we've had to do two shows a week because we were getting more listeners. And so we're... We're trying to become some sort of a media staple for Bitcoin. So hopefully we get there. So very first question is, uh, Code Valley is, is quite a bit of the rabbit hole of information. I spent some time in the documentation. and There's a lot of moving parts. Um, how's your company decided that ultimately Bitcoin can grease the gears of those moving parts? Josh, that's a good question. Um, we like to think of ourselves as, you know, as you put companies into like the investment pipeline for Bitcoin. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as being in that pipeline before Satoshi even published his paper. Um, we were working on our tech, our aspect of the technology long before Bitcoin was invented. And uh, when Bitcoin happened on the scene, well, gosh, you know, uh, it seemed like uh, too good to be true. Uh, it was a very good match. This is a decentralized software development technology and and we protect the intellectual property of every individual contributor. You know, we need a global payment system that's decentralized. Like It's like the heavens have opened and a perfect um, payment system descended for us. So uh, <laughs> I, was, I was extremely thrilled. It was perfect. The heavens just rained down a gift. Perfect. Thank you, Satoshi. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And um, it's good that it works so perfectly for your platform. I think one of the things that, that caught our eyes, or at least my eye when I read that press release, is that you're trying to bring $1 trillion of value to the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, Would you like to elaborate on how you've come to this, this valuation, how Bitcoin can handle that capacity? Yeah, um, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big question uh, as well. Um, you know, we don't push out press statements uh, with such broad headlines uh, very often, and uh, that's a deliberate press release, mm -hmm. uh, Satoshi solved the double spend problem to make Bitcoin a reality. Uh, this technology solves the IP leakage problem to make specialization a reality. It seems like um, if you turn the clock back to the late 60s, even McElroy mentioned that the software industry is not industrialized. And so the software industry has been bypassed by the industrial revolution. Every other industry builds things with supply chains, you know, their, their specialization because of the tangibility of their goods. I buy a tire from Goodyear. Uh, if I need a new tire, I've got to return to Goodyear or one of their competitors. However, in this industry, if I sell you a routine or an object or a bean or a component, I've just given away my intellectual property. You know, it's very easy to specialize in software but virtually impossible to build a viable business as a specialist. And we solved that problem. For the first time, software developers can specialize and earn a living as a specialist. And that opens a whole new world. Hmm. So, so if you specialize in a certain, I don't know, function of writing a, a piece of software, then using Code Valley you can basically, like you just said, just do what you specialize in, but do that on whatever the software may be for whoever may need the software. That's correct. Like, you know, to answer your question, um, the software industry 
itself is not industrialized. And depending on how you want to measure that, you know, um, Gartner will give you about $407 billion in 2013 numbers. But you combine this with Bitcoin, and if we can make uh, this power in the hands of the Bitcoin software developers, then we can help Bitcoin drive that big wedge into the financial sector as well. You see, once you, once you have a software development, a software devel- developer making a design contribution instead of a code contribution to a project, it's kind of like making a patch to a code base, except this patch can be made to any code base, including future code bases. It's a far more uh, powerful form uh, to for a software developer to operate in. That form uh, naturally protects their intellectual property. That form is specialization, which opens the, the, the uh, opportunity to automation. So we're, we're, we're achieving incredible levels of productivity uh, by building software in this manner. Mm. I see that it seems that it would really, what's the word? I'm having a hard time finding words. Really um, help with throughput when it comes to building software and different kinds of software. So, uh, well, it's a uh, broad, sorry, it's a, a broad, uh, a broad technology. It's aimed at all kinds of software. In fact, this technology we want to, if I be so bold, we want to combine the world's software developers into a single cohesive unit, a global supply chain that spans the earth. So we're talking about a disruptive technology in software. Software is normally the guy that's disrupting everybody else. But in this case, it's software that's being disrupted. And that disruption, yeah, it's disruption. That's that's a a pain in the butt. But disruption means step change in capability as well. So we're empowering software developers the world over to do some damage. And in so doing, we bring the entire software industry under Bitcoin domination. And if we do that, then obviously there, there are other industries are fair game. Of course, uh, if, if we, we can build high-quality software um, effortlessly for uh, Bitcoin applications, then that's also going to spearhead its role in the financial sector. So we, we think a trillion dollars uh, ultimately may be a conservative number. Oh, wow. Our <laughs> listeners are probably going to be uh, salivating when they hear that. They're like, ooh, it's a conservative. Um, so in the uh, in the documentation on your website, there's a reference to having a first mover advantage uh, when it comes to new tech and, and new platforms. And Could you provide us with some clarity uh, to what the first mover advantage is for devs looking to be a part of the Code Valley? Wow. Yes. Um we, we're popping up on the radar now, and um, it's a decade of more research, like I said, predates uh, Bitcoin. Uh, we've done our homework. We've done everything right. Uh, it's not enough to have a new development technology if we don't use it ourselves. So we're talking about a supply chain of vendors. We're talking about each vendor being like a, a, an automated assistant for a developer that helps them deliver their specialization into that market. And we're talking millions and millions of lines of code. Uh, So having a supply chain already sophisticated enough to construct vendors means that, you know, we've eaten our own dog food. It exists. We're not popping up with some kind of vaporware, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. This is real. (laughs) It exists, you know, pretty much 
all the software our company uses, including every one of those vendors, has been constructed with this technology. And from the first mover perspective, once I have a working supply chain able to construct vendors, then let me put you in the hands, uh, let me put you in the shoes of a software developer. You know, it, typically, if you want to build a web app or you want to join this community or peer with this community, you've got to, you know, download the API, learn a new language, spend months of writing code, uh, debugging and so forth, and hope to God that you've got all the protocols right. Let me talk, uh, put you in those shoes of that developer when you've got a working market vertical able to produce vendors. Now, you can put your high-level requirements to the community in minutes, returning a native executable able to peer with that community. So the first mover advantage is that we only have small, uh, what, small coverage of all the types of software, but we have coverage of the most strategically important market vertical in the entire software industry. It's the market vertical that allows us to construct other market verticals. So the first mover advantage is like we can't produce um, accounting software yet. So there are thousands of specializations out there, thousands of vendors that are that are begging voids that need to be filled. Developers can step into those voids and be making money from their innovations, making money from their contributions to applications being constructed. Hmm. Man, it sounds very phenomenal. I, I can, I can like feel like your passion and all the hard work you've put into it coming through and uh, how pivotal it could be. And well, just speaking on you personally, uh, I Googled you a little bit before the show and I've oh. seen that you've been in the field of software design for a long time since the mid eighties. Am I right about that? Or yeah, I, I electrical engineer by trade. I did a master's in um, computer systems and, uh, I, I really had a foot in both camps, a lot of embedded systems in the early days, and it uh, gave me a great advantage uh, understanding the hardware aspects. Uh, I was able to produce you know, pretty high-quality software and the like. Uh, and like any software dev, you know, I ran into the big problem of, gosh, you know, how is it that I can manage? Uh, I consider myself a very good you know, project manager, and I had a big project. The hardware side was doing great. The software side was you know, like it was nothing but heartache. And uh, I always started questioning, why is it that I can't manage a software project to the same sort of level of quality that I can manage a hardware project? And that really got me thinking about, gosh, you know, how do you, um, how do you manage software projects? And then when I looked into it further, I ran into McElroy's quote, you know, the industry is not industrialized. You know, um, it's not me. It's the industry. We've got to fix the industry. <laughs> it's not technically an industry. You know, so... We've got to fix the industry, and that's what got me thinking you know, down that path. Mm. It's, I, uh, I was wondering, since you do have you know, so much history in, in the industry or the industry that's not an industry yet, um, <laughs> you've probably seen so many technologies come and go. Uh, speaking specifically on Bitcoin, uh, you think Bitcoin has staying power? And on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how pivotably groundbreaking do you feel Bitcoin has been? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I was fortunate that, that when Bitcoin popped up on my radar, you know, I could see it marry with this technology in such a beautiful fit. Such, and, and it actually gets it's a lot better than I'm saying. You know, I obviously can't go into too much detail on a 20-minute on a podcast, but 
uh, each of the in the supply chain, each supplier is a long term relationship that's that's forming. So it, it matches really well with uh, you know like micro payment channels and the like. Very easy to implement. So um, operating as we as we want to do a global supply chain, you know we're expecting contracts to crisscross the earth. And uh, you know when you've got 150 different currencies and 150 different exchange rates and AML and CTF and all the rest of the you know <laughs> jurisdictions that you've got to deal with, you know that's a formidable problem. Mm. And Bitcoin not only slices through that, but it's a decentralized match. Like I. I, uh, you know, we're targeting the Bitcoin software developers as the early adopters. You know, they, if those guys got any sense, they need to look into this really quickly. There's a there's a market vertical that's going begging. It's the Bitcoin market vertical that allow us to put Bitcoin applications and wallets into every application that's ever going to be produced effortlessly. It's like let's add a patch here and whack a wallet in this application. It's going to be that easy. Hmm. Wow, that's. I, I see with your company, it's finally starting to get, you know, for the past two years, I've been in Bitcoin for a while, and for the past two years, there's always, every year, the killer app, the killer use case, the killer this, the killer that. It's a lot of buzzwordy in Bitcoin sometimes, but this really feels like, from what I've heard and what I've read, like this could be that kind of behind-the-scenes use case that put that gives Bitcoin, 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 <laughs> it's uh, mass adoption. It's massive appeal. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased that you drew that conclusion. Um, let, let me just consult a second. Can we talk about uh, March? All right. I've got approval from our marketing department. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> you're going to you know, <laughs> Um, I'll be speaking at the, the blockchain conference, uh, 7th of March in San Francisco. The title of that presentation is Bitcoin's Killer App. It's, there's no question mark at the end of that title. I'm going in there uh, knowing in my heart that this is indeed Bitcoin's Killer App, and uh, I'm going to spend my time at that uh, podium to convince everybody in the room that that's the case. Oh, man. Can we rewind it so I can ask the question that I had so it makes it seem like I pulled the exclusive information out of you? Would you mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. But thank you. That um wow, I'm I'm excited to hear that. That's on the that speech that you're going to give uh because everybody's been waiting for this so-called killer app for so long. I thought I even said one time on the show the killer app is Bitcoin itself, but obviously I guess it's not cuz people seem to not think Bitcoin's that big of a deal sometimes. But this in and of itself, I mean, you're talking about th- that is creating an industry that is just going to be fueled by Bitcoin. So, I mean, that is the killer app, if you ask me. So, that's why we had to get you on the show. Excellent. Um, Very glad to be here. Well, don't have too many more questions for you. Um, you what's funny is you answered a lot of my questions through your other answers. So it was really good how it flowed that way. Um, so we just have really one last question. Sometimes it's our toughest question. Are you ready for it? I uh, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. In ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Ten words or less. I would say it's gold without the shortcomings and without the gold. That's one word under, and that was an awesome answer. That was uh, gold without the shortcomings and without the gold. 
I like that. Well, it's spectacular. I'm very pleased. Um, thank God for Satoshi is all I can say. Awesome. Yeah, indeed. Even though some people don't like the fact that I guess he has so many Bitcoin, but in my I, I, in my mind, I like to think if you're doing something that's going to change the globe potentially, then maybe you deserve a little bit of wealth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so. I agree. I definitely well, thank you for stopping by the show. We really appreciate being like one of the first media outlets to to get your your word out there and and uh, your position on what you're trying to do uh, with Code Valley and especially with Bitcoin because you know we like Bitcoin at the Bitcoin Podcast. So excellent. Well, I'm, I'm going to add more value to it. I think I answered all the questions I ever wanted to answer on this technology. So I, I might just deny further. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you so much. All right. Have a good day. You too. And that was the interview with Noel Lavisa from Code Valley. Or Noel. It could be Noel or Noel. I mean, uh, Noel is more Christmassy. Let's go with Noel. Let's, let's go with Noel. Uh, from Code Valley, uh, Bright Aussie. He is Australian. And um, hopefully you love the interview. Uh, there was a lot of heavy stuff thrown around in that interview, so it would behoove you to go check out CodeValley.com, uh, uh, read what they're doing. There's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of technical things. There's a white paper as well where there's huge words thrown around like revolution and uh, genesis. And and just, his daughter is the Ivanka Trump of Bitcoin. Yep. So, I don't know what that means. Can you explain that for someone who's not familiar with the Trump? Uh, a very powerful figure who brings ah. his daughter into the space, who is okay. equally beautiful as she is smart. Let's so uh, the reference I would I would have understood just not. It was probably a good reference for him. It's <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie McMahon. She just was Stephanie McMahon. Oh, I should have used Stephanie McMahon. You That's right. Because I'm weird. <laughs> You're right. But then that makes Noel McMahon. Yeah, Vince. I would rather be Vince than Donald Trump. I, I always told myself, when I become rich, you remember how Vince McMahon used to come down the ramp with that swagger walk or his, that exaggerated yeah. arm pumps he did? Yeah. I always wanted to walk like that. <laughs> I hate to say this. You don't need to be rich to walk like that. You can just do it. <laughs> well, then you're like an asshole. I don't want to do that. I got to have a little pull. <laughs> Definitions of things, yeah, definitions of things change when you have money. Like you go from crazy to eccentric, exactly. Or <laughs> mentally ill. I, I guess that's the same thing. But yeah, you're right. You're right. You go from douchebag to swagger. So you go from yeah, you go from like uh, I, I I don't want to say anything to shame anyone. You go from hussy to heiress. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so hope you love the interview. Uh, we got some talking points. We're going to talk about a couple more things and then we're going to wrap it up for you guys. You know how it goes. Oh, there is one thing I wanted to do. If you mm-hmm. tweet your favorite quote from the show of all time, you can win some Airbits bits. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you hashtag it with just two guys. Okay. So tweet your favorite quote from the show. All right, you're going to be entered in a little competition. Me and Corey and Cello are going to read all your tweets and we're going to giggle and laugh. And the one that makes us giggle and laugh the most is going to get some Air Bits bits. And uh, any 9 11 references are disqualified. Yeah, that was Marcello's bad. 
that was a, that was a huge my bad on cello. Sorry. But then the next step, then we get no, 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 we didn't. But yeah, it went from zero to a thousand really fast. And hey, Tony, if you're unfamiliar with the two guys, so when we started this podcast, it was just me and D. I asked Corey, and he was like, uh, you know, I'll be a listener. And then Dimitri asked him, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm on board. But yeah. I already like pre-recorded the intro and everything, so. This was within 24 hours. Like, Cello calls me, or me and Cello are like, oh, we're going to do the podcast. It's going to be the shit. And then, like, after I leave Cello's house, he calls Corey, or texts Corey, and Corey's like, oh, yeah, like, that sounds like fun. Bitcoin's fun. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. (laughs) I'll I'll listen. And then I text Corey, and I'm like, hey, Corey, best idea ever, podcast, Mm -hmm. and we want you in. And he's like, I'm fucking in. Let's do it. Ah, listen, I'm fucking in. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Cello was like, "Well, I already recorded the the intro. <laughs> it says just two guys." And I was like, "Well, that's just gonna be some lore for any listeners. We're not experts. We're just two guys, but we're really three. <laughs> and I'm too cheap to do a reover redo. We're just like just two guys and one more. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe uh, Marcello." Should I like splice that in now? Just splice like, that. Like, just one, two do it guys. in your Cleveland voice, though. And one more. And then- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, a listener wrote in, and uh, I wanted to kind of get you guys' feedback on that because uh, we always like to listen to our listeners. And they asked, "Are there any dates for when miners will adopt Classic?" I was under the impression that many miners had agreed to get on Classic. Do we know when this will happen, or am I mistaken? Um, as Who far as I know, there's no hard dates for classic. I mean, when it comes to these open source projects, and especially one like Bitcoin, it's out there. You know, the, 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 the program, I guess the, the code to run classic is there. If you want to run classic, you can run classic. You want to mine classic, you can mine classic. Uh, there's no hard date. And I, I do believe when it, when it reaches like over 75%, or or something, then classic is uh been adopted and it has. I heard it was, there, there is a hard date. I thought no, there is. Yeah, no. February the fifteenth. I thought February fifteenth. Yeah. Well, I, then what is it? Well, the hard date. Um, like what does it say on the hard date that has it, happened? It just says um that there's a seven day long holiday ahead, so it's going to be after the holidays, and then only one node, one node only first. Ant pool will start the test classic soon. Oh, one miner? Yeah. Because okay. every miner's in China. What? I don't know about every, but way too damn many. <laughs> that's for sure. I wish the rest of the world would just get on and compete. It feels like China has got the big swinger, and they're like, we. Well, Iceland has the world's cheapest electricity. You'd think there'd be a lot more there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Really? Have the cheapest electricity? Mm-hmm. The world's aluminum production is all in Iceland. It's one of my two or three dream places around the world I want to go to. It's right behind Japan, actually. I always wanted to go there. It seems very cool. I mean, I, but yeah, I w- I want to get a hold of Elon and tell him, hey, you need to combine your solar energy technology with some huge mining farms and get some revenue streams going in crypto, my man, and then watch <laughs> him like ignore me and walk away. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine a lot of people want to get a hold of him and try to tell him some things to do. Yeah, uh, it probably he's too is. busy trying to go to Mars and I don't know fold the universe together. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> huh? At least he's trying. Like, yeah. I'd much rather have eccentric billionaires. I, I don't even think he's eccentric. I'd just much rather have billionaires that aim really, really, really high rather than just trying to make another quick buck. It's like, you made enough money. Like, is that making you that much happier? Probably not. You know, yeah. but trying to do great things. I'm into that. Um, I actually have a question for you guys. I don't want to change the topic, but I, but your your question about uh, Bitcoin Classic kind of made me realize that there are some loops that I'm out of as far as you know the newest topics, things, th- discussions in the community, and um, the the all the Ethereum stuff going crazy the past week uh, brought a lot more attention to the Ethereum communities, which I think is rather odd. Uh, I just was curious what what you guys have seen and like kind of what's your perspective of what's happened in the past week regarding that. Ethereum and uh, it's kind of rise. Yeah, because like the price rise has brought attention, you know, and it's brought it's brought new eyeballs because the community is very dev centric, right? And mm-hmm. so the community, all the different outlets, which the big ones are Ethereum, uh, very much geared toward developers. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing other folks come in, and it's and it's not like the the people that are you know just buy 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 sell sell sell, not that kind of hype machine yet. But it's more just people that are interesting. Like, well, I'm actually I had a thread opened up, and I don't want to read the whole thread, but it was essentially saying thanks, Ethereum community, for offering a choice. And it, mind you, the person was a little off when he said, you know, we finally have the freedom to choose our currency. It's like we've always had the freedom, even even you know before Bitcoin. But mm-hmm. either way, it's illustrating that there's other communities that people are taking part of. And what I've noticed is, I've noticed it's happening to me, and I don't like this is that. Because there's so many different communities, I'm paying less attention to other ones. So there's pieces of news that I really should be up on that I'm not. Um, ha- has that happened with you guys, or is that something where you know it, it, it's, has, it just hasn't been a problem? You've been able to keep up with everything because I, I, I always like to get different perspectives to see where I'm at in this world. Um, keeping up with things is getting tougher, just because the the system itself is growing so much and, and, and just getting so bolstered on on so many avenues, and plus. The original Bitcoin forums that were giving you the good pipeline news are just not as, I don't want to say trustworthy. Nah, fuck it. They're not as trustworthy with so many emotions going on in Bitcoin right now. And I know that's something that Corey wants to touch on specifically, so I'm not going to go into that. I don't. I want Corey to knock that out of the ballpark. Um, well, but Corey shouldn't be doing jujitsu next to Coral Reefs then and get his ass on this podcast. Dude, Corey is John claude Van Damming it up right now. Yeah. Let him do <laughs> his thing. If people need to focus their chi, focus their chi. Um, oops, sorry, I took a drink. Um, but as far as news-wise, the biggest thing is that I, I'm going to say I live through when I'm old and have a cane with a diamond on it because I'm going to be an old pimp. But it's going to be, I lived through the great Bitcoin debate of the 2015s and uh, the 2010s, because that's what it is. I mean, it's just this is a lot of stuff going on with this uh, scaling debate, and that's the biggest news. And that's, that's pretty much all you're going to be consumed with, Tony, if you are reading the Bitcoin stuff. You got to yeah, dig it, deeper for reading it. <laughs> yeah, you got to dig deeper for like the developments and the companies and stuff in the space. Because I think that everybody's just trying to like let this consensus be formed and then we can get back on track. And so classic seems to be, you know, it's really, it's really a Capcom. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I heard it. You'll go fire. <laughs> it's my um, text message alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard, uh, wait, uh, where was I going? Oh, classic versus core. That's oh, you know what? Hold on. That's Tony's fault. He's tweeting me. 
<laughs> Listen, I know I tweeted it. Let me say something. My, my official tweet was, always amazing conversations on the B2C podcast. Can't talk about how much fun these shows are to do. So Because I, I can't do anything but put you guys over because I enjoy doing it so much. So, like, we, waiting, we can't get mad at that. No. I'm waiting for the hateful tweet. The only tweet I could say, like, even if I say I hate something, I'll be like, damn it, I hate that I'm not on more episodes. But that's that's just some. <laughs> greedy and don't be shy man if you want to be on man just let us know anytime on, but no i don't want to sound like i'm inviting myself but what i am saying is i love doing these shows and you know it, it's really cool because a lot of these times i don't have these conversations with people about things like classic and and things just you know outside of the little sphere that i'm involved with and i love it i absolutely love it uh and i and i'm gonna hype it up to, as much as i can without you know being too shilly but i think everyone should at least give it a listen so i, I, I if everyone that follows me doesn't at least try to listen once i'm going to be a very sad panda but um yeah that was the tweet that i sent so that the audience knows obviously (laughs) speaking of follow me on twitter (laughs) follow the show at twitter which is at the btc podcast you guys can follow you can kind of plug your own handles i figured while i'm at it i'll plug plug our stuff right yeah imogen heap forgot the the part and and uh tweeted to a account that had like four followers (laughs) so I bet missed that opportunity happy, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's all the news you're going to get, Tony, is classic versus core. Um, I publicly endorsed classic just because I think it makes sense. Why wouldn't you want to increase the capacity? I know there's lots of arguments like the Bitcoin blockchain was never meant to be a network that everyone can transact on. It's a better settlement network. And I think maybe right now it's a better settlement network. But why wouldn't you want to poise it and put it in a position to be the network that everyone transacts on and have all sorts of, you know, flourishing technologies and layers of things built onto a network that at least has a larger capacity for it? And, you know, so I like classic. Um, and that's just for me staying out of all the emotions. I know there's is especially there's there was one tweet conversation that I couldn't stay out of. It was Brian Armstrong from uh, Coinbase did a bunch of tweets about how he's supporting Classic and how this is just a democratic process of uh, open source pro- project is deciding which you know iteration is going to be the one that everyone goes with. And then Brom Cohen, I think the BitTorrent guy. Yeah, BitTorrent guy. I, I'm an admirer. <laughs> he, he just tweeted Brian Armstrong, fuck you. I, I saw was, that. Yeah. Was, Brian Armstrong too, to be fair. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. I was like, the only thing I said was like, I, I tried to rise above, but oh snaps! Like that's all I can think of is, some you're coming out with like poignant arguments for why you support something, and then somebody just says "fuck you" <laughs> and your yeah, thoughts. It's an old, it's an old <laughs> image on the internet. You know, arguing on the internet. You know, I, I shouldn't say it on here. It's too culturally insensitive for these times, but. I, I try not to argue on the internet. I mean, we all kind of get sucked into it occasionally, like I, even the best of us. But and I think that's probably a lot of why I stopped. I, and I wouldn't say stop, but I reduced the attention I paid to the Bitcoin outlets is because of the debate, and where it was like, okay, I get that the debate needs to happen, obviously, but I don't like the fact that it's overshadowing every other single thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, I don't think the motivations on. I think there's people involved in it with motivations that have nothing to do with the block size at all. It has a lot more to do with uh, other things, and I don't like that at all. But There's a a lot of natural, um, what can I say here, aspects of humanity that are starting to arise in the community that are really unavoidable. Words like governance, 
words like uh, group of, you know, these things are kind of unavoidable. They're structurally sound, and there's a reason why there are governance over certain things. There's a reason why there are committees and organizations that do things. And people don't like it, but when it comes to something like Bitcoin that could be very, very monumental to society, if you don't think that society is going to want to put some levels of standardization on it, then you're you're kind of like, I, I don't want to say dumb, but I'm going to say stupid. Naive. Naive. You, you know, know, like... Yeah. There has to be governance to something that could potentially change the world. Okay, uh, that's that's just. There's other things that have changed the world. There has to be. There, I mean, there's other things that have changed the world, like nukes, and there's some damn governance on that shit. If you're using it for energy, if you're using it as a weapon, like when th- something changes the world, you got to step back and put a lot of wise people on it to create a framework for growth. And Bitcoin, I think, is reaching that point, which is a great thing. It yeah. it needs. When we survive this fork, or soft fork, hard fork, upgrade, whatever it is, or if we get forked, if we get forked, <laughs> one the two, <laughs> there there has to be some standardization set in place for how this happens in the future, so that people there's no emotions being thrown around and people saying like Blockstream is goddamn Legion of Doom, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure uh, that guy is Lex Luthor and he's trying to bring everything down. It's like come on, people. Let's you know, just get it together. As, so. as far as arguments in the community, one that I'm actually, I, I think is, my, to my to me is much more interesting, is the permissioned versus permissionless ledgers. That to me is, I, I mean, to me, obviously, these are all just perspectives. That argument is one that I think is, is just fascinating because, you know, what you have is R3 out there doing the permission ledgers thing, and I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of it personally, but I'm open-minded to it. I think it should be pursued because I think I'm... I'm not one of those people that says, oh, I don't like this idea, so, it's, you know, I, let's not do it. Uh, and there's a lot of that thing in the Bitcoin space. I, I distinctively remember the argument at the O'Reilly conference last year was either the people that were, you know, the Bitcoin maximalists were just like, why are we devoting other resources to things that aren't Bitcoin? And and I thought that was the most naive perspective possible, right? Mm-hmm. I just looked at that and I looked at that like, are you silly? Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> just really? Like, really? And there are people, and they're bright people, and some of them were investors. And there was this one guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, I remember an organization he was with, but I, I won't say that because it's really not relevant. He was so angry about Ethereum. Like, it's like Ethereum, like, woke him up and, like, just beat him up in the middle of the night or something. I, <laughs> and I was just like, why is he so mad? And then, you know, it took me a while because I'm, I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree. But what I you know is eventually it went uh, the bulb kind of lit a little bit, and I go, oh, he's protecting his interests, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is funny, because these are the same folks that were, I'll be like, banks, get ready to die, or it's like, they're protecting their interests, and you go, oh, humans, even the humans that are the most open-minded are, are very quick to, to protect their interests as soon as they can't have to, and mm-hmm. then you realize that's where their arguments come from, and that's not valid, and, you know, it, and, and it took me a while to kind of see that perspective, and I'm wondering if that will eventually happen for me in the, the whole fork debate, because I'm, I don't have a clear opinion of it. I, I hear a lot of different opinions, and some sound valid, some don't. I, I don't have a clear path that I think is the right way. Um, but with the permission versus permissionless, I'm, I'm very, I'm very much toward the, per, uh, you know, permissionless ledgers. But I think permissions should be investigated, right? I don't know if yeah, that's yeah. a bad way to look at that, but yeah, it's, it, it's interesting because it has a lot to do with human nature, human dynamics, and how decisions are made, and 
protecting your interests. It's 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 yeah, an okay. interesting behave, behavioral study, right? To me, it uh, it comes down to you're familiar with John Nash. Of course, we can talk about him for the rest of the show if you want. Yeah. We we might not want to. I'm sorry. Well, we could talk about him for like two minutes because that's it. Yeah, but. <laughs> that one scene in A Beautiful Mind where he has his genius idea of the Nash equilibrium and it's, you know, it's pretty simple. If everybody's going after the blonde, nobody gets the blonde. You know, if everybody's going after the hottest chick, nobody gets the hottest chick. But if we all spread our efforts and go after different avenues, then what happens is the entire system comes up because there's so much good work being done mm-hmm. towards different things. And so that's kind of how I live my life. Like I don't competition. Now, if you try and take me on Madden, like <laughs> you'll get some competition street fighter, you'll get some competition. But when it comes to like the betterment of an idea, there's no competition there. We're all kind of like, we got to work together on different avenues to bring the entire ecosystem up. So speaking um, of soul caliber, just want to say, I'll, I'll Oh yeah, man, soul we've caliber. had some almost breaking controllers over soul caliber. <laughs> Speaking of, I <laughs> maybe make something that might be an exclusive here. I don't know. I don't Drop know it. when the official announcement's dropping. So you might, everyone listening might, it might be out, it might not, because it's not officially out yet. But um, myself and Augur were nominated for a Max Award, which hmm. it is the Marketing Award for Excellence, I believe. And it's basically for Georgia companies, and it's given by Georgia State University that do awesome marketing uh, projects, right? And since I was kind of the marketing, you know, the marketing director for when you mentioned competitions, is why I thought of this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when basically for Augur, I handled a lot of the marketing. Although the team, believe me, the team helps. But uh, they they asked for my headshot and all that. So I think the the award ceremony is on the twenty fifth, and we are all going to the Georgia Aquarium. So so the other day, I, I still don't know who the other finalists are, but I found out who one of them were. And I guess there's like eight or nine finalists, and one of the other finalists. So here's Augur, a ragtag group of like six six uh, individuals that launches campaign, and yeah, the other finalists are the Atlanta Hawks. So, um, so <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I saw that, and uh, and yeah, when I saw that, it was just woo, because that was like the one other finalist that kind of leaked on the internet. Because I have no idea who the rest of them are, but what oh. what I do know as soon as I heard that, uh, that competitive part of my brain switched on, and I was just like. Oh my god! And I realized there's not much I could do at this point because this is stuff that was happening a year ago. But I also was like, "What can I do to just to crush them? Like, you know, <laughs> win this?" Like, and and it's funny to me though. It's like it, it won. It's a great pat on the back, right? Like I when I was a kid, I never won any. I was nominated for awards, so just being nominated is awesome and it's an honor. Um, well, and, I love how humble you are. You're like, I believe it's a marketing excellence award. I'm kind of the marketing director. Well, so I, that's am pretty awesome. director. <laughs> well, I am the marketing director, but it's not just being humble. It's also saying it, to say that Jack, Joey, Jeremy at the time, Perry, all the other guys in the team didn't do marketing stuff would, would be an outright lie. So, yes, I, I handled a lot of the strategy. I mean, I pretty much handled all the strategy and really did a lot of the you know messaging and things like that. But also, to not give the rest of the team credit would just be wrong. But with that said, it's an honor for me because, you know, for one, it's here in Atlanta. Two, I get to go to an awards ceremony at the aquarium, and I love aquariums. And, and three, we have a shot of winning. Like, and I don't know what the ho- – I guess – because there's only a blurb of this that leaks. That's why leak, That's why the only way I know. What they did was some kind of just rebranding, and I'm not sure what. But the fact that, you know, uh, our team of what, what was six people at the time – and is competing with one of the teams from the NBA in terms of marketing. And mind you, I think we did a pretty damn good job in our marketing campaign for the crowd sale and for the project. 
Um, it's interesting, right? So I, I don't know if this is, uh, I don't want to be too shilly here, but I did want to let everyone know about that because it, it's kind of big in my life. You know, it's one of those things where, oh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, Congrats, I, who knows how it turns out? You know, I don't know who the other finalists are. I, I mean, I don't think we have a huge shot of winning just because of our size, but congratulations. Um, we'll, we'll find out more. And, you know, if I win, I can always eventually come back on and kind of talk about my experience there because I'm sure we're going to get a lot of blank stares. Like, okay. this is the complete marketing crowd. It's not a crypto crowd, not even a tech crowd. So I'm pretty well, sure we're going to, as soon as I try to explain the project to someone, we're going to lose a lot of people. <laughs> but the sure. fact that we raised $5.2 million, I think, says a lot. So they do listen to dollar songs, right? Well, uh, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. That's awesome, awesome man. man. I think we... Um, What's up, Cello? I just want to remind... I want to remind you that each American will spend $150 on Valentine's Day. This adds up to $19 billion. So instead, why don't you tell your significant other about the Bitcoin podcast? Grab her phone when she isn't looking. Subscribe her to this podcast. It's free. It's It's easy. And she will have sex with you, guaranteed. Guaranteed. We guarantee that here on the show. Mind-blowing sex. What I did Weird. for my girlfriend was I wrote a love letter. It worked like crazy, and it was free. <laughs> there you go. One-page love letter. It actually took longer to write than I thought, but highly recommend it. She, she loved it. Nice. There you go. And we'll be back. a love letter to the Bitcoin podcast. That's even better, right? Oh, oh man. Double. Really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'll post it. I'll let everybody see the love. <laughs> Hashtag uh, TYBG on it, too. <laughs> oh, <thank> you, <laughs> Anyways, we gotta wrap it up. We gotta wrap it up. We it's been. An we'll be back uh, midweek. Yeah, right? we are. With uh, we got uh, snap card, snap card, uh, another Aussie, back to back Australians. Yep. I really like how Australians get down. But anyways, not to not to go on any more tangents. We gotta wrap this up. You can find us on Twitter at the BTC Podcast. The Twitter is popping off right now, guys. And thank you. Uh, you could tweet us stuff. We'll tweet back. Uh, we're interactive like that. We like communities. Okay. I actually watch community. Anyways, um, thebitcoinpodcast.com. That's the website. Go to it. Uh, we have things you can read and things you can watch. Um, all sorts of stuff. You can, we even have a Q and A. Uh, you could talk to Dr. Petty about more of the technical aspects of things because that's his stuff. I don't know. People are visiting the page too. I see the metrics. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It's like, we like, how you guys are interacting with us um oh we got an itunes review that said that they love how we provide positivity to bitcoin because it seems like in a time where there's a lot of negativity and i just want to say thank you to that person i go to that i agree with that completely actually i want to say thank you to that person because that's what we try to do here we try to keep things light and give you avenues to get educated on things if you want to go there so um what else am I missing, Cello? Zapchain.com uh, slash just two guys. You can mm-hmm. join the community. Um, I'm active in there. I'll talk to you. I post a lot of memes. Uh, that's how I communicate on the internet. It's funny. Everybody has a fun time doing it. Uh, you can join it. Um, Corey, Corey should be back with us from binging on sex, pizza, yeah. drugs, and debauchery. Yep. Uh, thanks again to Tony. You're the man. Uh, there's a new interview up with Tony, uh, that I read and loved, uh, Tony, you want to plug anything, uh, go for it. Yeah. You can find a link to the interview. Just go to our Twitter. It's, uh, twitter.com slash auger project, A-U-G-U-R. And there's A-U-G-U-R.net. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Tony Swish. It's exactly how it sounds. And uh, you can actually go to my website, which I just updated a little bit last night. It's uh, it's got a lot of my background, my blockchain stuff. It's 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 kind of a professional businessy site, but it's not too professionally in business. So uh, it's going to be a little more personal in the future because I think that that's the Tony that people want as a professional. But it's my, my just my name, TonySockich.com. That's T O N Y. S-A-K-I-C-H. And feel free to hit me up, and I'm happy to chat with anyone, any listeners, and whatever they want to talk about. All right. Well, play the outro. Titties. (laughs) 